everybody, and welcome to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. I'm your host, Jim Henry. Funding for this and every show comes from generous listeners who each contribute a small amount every month. Patrons like Dan Hulse, Bernie Drury, Dan Zuckergood, Dino Catanio, Dan Tappan, Maria Sangiolo, Bob Fishman, Jerry Ann Butler, Kristen Andrews, David Bryce and the good folks at Cloud Microphones, Club Passim, Parlor Room, and Signature Sounds are just a few of the listeners who contribute because they believe in the podcast. To become a part of the Pro Tips family, go to patreon.com slash jimhenry. And to order your copy of the Pro Tips book, go to protipsformusicians.com. Today on the podcast, we have Mary Witt. Mary is a wonderful singer, bass player, and leader of one of the most popular bands in New England, the O-Tones. She has recorded several albums with the O-Tones, as well as a solo record called Dance With Me, and has just released a new album with Annie Patterson called Fearless, celebrating women singers. As a band leader, Mary has guided the O-Tones for 20 years, and in that time has played in almost every type of event imaginable. Concerts, weddings, political fundraisers, swing dances, art openings, coffee houses, festivals, and even at the Basketball Hall of Fame. Though the music always comes first, Mary's role as band leader has her acting as manager and booking agent, as well as keeping the PA in working order, doing all the promotion, advancing the shows, scheduling rehearsals, juggling different musicians and their schedules, maintaining the website, following up with clients, basically everything associated with running a hard-working band. Somehow Mary finds the time to paint as well and has shows at local art galleries on a regular basis. Clearly she is very busy, and so I'm glad she was able to squeeze in a visit to the Pro Tips Podcast. So let's say hello to Mary Witt. Hello, Mary Witt. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Hello, Jim Henry, <laughs> man with no last name. I know. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good, thank you for coming to the Ruby Tone Studio on such a crappy day. It is pretty much the worst weather in New England, but I'm very happy to be here, cozy in this studio. <laughs> That's right. You didn't have any trouble getting here, did you? No. Okay. It good. was good. That's good. So you've heard a few of these podcasts, and you know that I like to start off with a song. Yes. So let's let's do that. What have you brought for us here today? I wish I knew how it would feel to be free, and I learned it from. Nina Simone, but I heard it first um, from Evelyn Harris, who lives here and was in Sweet Honey in the Rock for years, and I've been working with her a little bit. And I just loved the song right away because it's really, you know, about peace and justice and a lot of things I grew up with. And uh, and also it's just a really fun song to sing and play. Well, let's give it a let's give it a whirl. Okay, one, two, three, four. Well, I wish that I could 
should be free That was great. That was a lot of fun. Good. You put me through my paces here this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Put myself through the paces, too. Well, you always do. You know, you you, kind of like the jazzy, swingy kind of (laughs) stuff, which is great. But it's that's not my that's not my forte so per se. I can do it. I can fake my way through it. But you you do a good job. Well, thank you very much. You really do. Okay, so I wanted to have you on here particularly because most of these podcasts have been with like solo singer songwriters. Or, you know, booking it, or not even booking it, just like managers and, and people who are kind of do things by themselves and, mm-hmm. and are in charge of only themselves. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> are a band leader and you yes, have been I for am. a long time. 27 years. 27 years. So, and so that's a kind of a unique perspective, yeah. I think. Yeah. And uh, so I wanted to, that's sort of the, the, the overarching thing we're talking about here today. Cool. So we're going to talk about herding cats. Is herding that where we're cats. Going with it? <laughs> <laughs> But first, let's talk about let's talk about you a little bit. I don't know. We were we were just talking. I uh, the last podcast was uh, Tracy Grammer interviewing me, and one thing that she did, which I don't typically do, is she kind of went through my history. Like, mm-hmm. how did I get to where I am now, yeah. wherever that is? And a lot of people responded to that mm, because it's cool. it's kind of interesting. Everybody's right. got their own story, and yeah. the, the the path to where you are is as. And it can be as interesting as where you actually are. Mm-hmm. So and completely unique to yeah, every exactly. other musician. And everybody's got their own journey that they go on. So let's talk about yours for a second. <laughs> so you, where'd you grow up? I don't even know. Uh, I grew up in uh, Syracuse, New York, for the first nine years, and then North Carolina for the next nine before I went off to college. Well, and why did you guys go to North Carolina? Because my dad was a scientist, and he got a job in North Carolina, and uh, he said. We're moving to North Carolina. And I said, "Where?" I was nine. Uh-huh. I said, where's that? He said, it's in the South. And I said, what's that? And then I found out. And we moved in 1965, and everything was segregated, and it was intense. 
and really and wonderful. And you remember you remember all. Oh, that. I remember it really well. Yeah. Absolutely. What so yeah? What what do you remember about that particularly about the segregation um, part of it? That uh, we had neighbors who were black who we didn't go to school with them. They were our age, and we didn't go to school together until the eighth grade, nineteen seventy. Do, so yeah. Did you play with them? Yep. The neighbors. Yep. Yeah. Was that was that ever an issue? No. 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 But it was just weird. Plus, my mom taught at the black school because uh-huh. she went to the principal and she said, I'm on the Raleigh Chamber Music Guild. Can I bring classical music out to the school? And he said, great. It was about half an hour away. And he said, great. So she he, she brought, you know, famous classical musicians from all over the world to come out and play assemblies at the black school. And she said, could I teach um, conversational German and French to your students? <laughs> sure, no problem. This was K through eight. Wow. Yeah. And so she did it. She was a rock star. Yeah, no In many kidding. ways. You've met her. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Do you speak uh, German? Oh, yeah. We were bilingual at home. Oh, actually, we only spoke German at home. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Because they figured we lived in the U.S., <laughs> we, would, we would learn English pick it up. everywhere else. Wow. I had no idea. I did not know that about you. So there are let, secrets. Let me, let me try my limited German on you. Okay. Ready? Der bringen das Gepäck nach oben. Good. What did I just say? Um, they are bringing the luggage up. Up, yeah, upstairs. Yeah. I thought. Nice. I mean, that's what yes. I thought. I mean, yeah, yeah. Good job, Jim. <laughs> I do my Heinrich. Best. Yeah. I don't know what Jim would be in German, but Henry would be Heinrich. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you get opportunity to speak German at this point? Whenever I hear someone with a German accent, I kind of sidle up to them. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, where are you from?" I don't assume, but as soon as I hear they're German, I just go right into it, and it's fun. That's cool. It's fun to be able to, and I still have a lot of relatives in Germany. Do you, have you ever been over there? Many times. Yeah. Yeah. And and England, of course, they speak English there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you ha- you have siblings? I have an older sister yeah. who's also a musician. My mother, about fifteen years ago, said, "I'm so surprised both of you are musicians." We're like, really? Because my mom was a classical pianist and recorder player, and my dad was a cellist. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, amateur, but right. good. You know, Did they, they play. play together? Yeah, they played chamber music with their friends, and we would run out of the room plugging our ears. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was our job. That horrid stuff. That's right. That's <laughs> right. But um, my mom sent me to piano lessons at age five. So from five to nine, I went to piano lessons every single week, classical, of course, and, and maybe some little, you know, tunes. I actually just realized a few weeks ago, well, this is crazy, how long it took me to realize that my ear training yeah. that she was doing when I was five to nine probably helped me sing harmonies to this day. Oh, sure. Because I am a harmony singer at heart. I, I just love singing harmonies, and I can sing harmony to anything. So yeah. I, I always wonder, other than you know singing with my sister growing up, like how did that come into my head? And I realized that's probably part right. of it. That's where it yeah. started. But then when I was nine... I tried a note on a French horn, and apparently I was a child genius on a French <laughs> horn. So I dropped the piano, and I switched to classical French horn, and I played that till I was 29. No kidding. Yeah, 20 I had years. no idea. See? That's why we're here. I know. This is great. Here's a trivia question for you. What's that? You might know the answer to this. What? Bela Fleck. Yeah. He went to Oberlin, where I went. Yeah. But he couldn't major in banjo because that was not an option. What do you think he majored in? French horn? Yes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So did, did you guys, were you there at the same time? No. Oh. He's younger than me. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then I played French horn for 20 years and even ended up doing some improvising on it in the band that I was in in Atlanta with my sister. Do you still play? Nope. Then at age 30, I dropped the French horn and I switched to electric bass and never looked back. (laughs) How'd that happen? Why'd you switch? I wanted an instrument I could sing with. Uh And I also wanted an instrument I could play any kind of music. And I just love playing electric bass. It's really fun to be part of the rhythm section. And I really relate to it when I sing. You know, it's, it's my grounding. After college, I went to Atlanta for 13 years. What were you doing there? Um, designing and building energy-efficient and passive solar homes. Really? <laughs> Green builder in the 80s before they called it that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then playing in a band with my sister and my ex-husband and some other friends. What was the name of the band? Elise Witt and Small Family Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> Elise is my sister, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she sang lead on everything and we sang harmonies. And what'd she play? Guitar. She played guitar. Yeah, rhythm guitar. And what did, and, what did Rick play? Uh, mandolin and clarinet, and I played um, French horn. Sounds like a good band. It was fun, and we had fiddle and flute and auto harp and cello. And actually, I played a little bit of stand-up cello. Stand-up like cello? It, yeah, like picking it like an upright bass, uh-huh. never with a bow. Uh-huh. And uh, that I think that actually led me to playing electric bass. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of it was similar. fun. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea you had that sort of varied musical. I like to keep a little mystique around me, Jim. Uh, (laughs) All right, mission accomplished. Yeah. So North Carolina, then you went to Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and then then what? Then you came up north here? Yes. In 1990, uh, I went to Ashokan Music Camp, Western and Swing Week, because I was playing electric bass. That's in New York State? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Played music all week long and sang music and learned swing dancing and met Ann Percival, who is still my bandmate. And after a couple of years of going back and forth, playing gigs up here in, in Atlanta, we moved up here. Nice. And that's what brought me. And you, did you move to your current house? Almost. Moved to a rental house in Florence, and now I have a, yeah, you've been there my a own time. house in, yeah, in Florence. I like Florence. It's kind of like the tiny town I grew up in in North Carolina. And what town was that in North Carolina? Nightdale with a K. Nobody's ever heard of it. No, never heard of it. Unless you're from Raleigh. (laughs) Where'd your dad teach? I'm just curious. Um, Well, he did research. I don't know if you know what he did, but he gave drugs to spiders. So if you Google... (laughs) No, I didn't know that. (laughs) What did he do that for? (laughs) If you Google spiders on drugs and hit images, that's his work. And so... Like hallucinogenic drugs? Everything. Yeah, really? Everything you can imagine. Every drug you can imagine. Just to see what would happen. Yep. And so he would take pictures of the webs before and after. Oh, yeah. I've heard yeah, of this. Yeah, you've seen them. Yeah. You've seen them. And um, <laughs> yeah. And so he ended, he was a pharmacologist. Ah. He started in Switzerland, started the research in Switzerland and, and brought it to the U.S. and just kept advancing in his career. But that's what he did. He did research. And then he taught at um, NC State and UNC Chapel Hill and Duke University because we were in the Triangle area in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So he lectured at various places. And actually, I was just reminded the other day, because I saw James Taylor on TV the other night, that James Taylor's dad was the head of medical school at UNC Chapel Hill when we lived there. So my dad worked with him a little bit. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I got to go to James's house once, but he wasn't there. Well, next time you see James, you'll have something to (laughs) talk to him about. (laughs) Yeah, boy, who funded that research? Was it the mental health? 
The funny thing was my dad didn't really care about how it affected uh, research for people, but if he was writing a grant, of course, he had to say something about right. how great the research was for people. He was a real animal behaviorist, animal behaviorist, uh-huh. <laughs> and he, uh, we had a lot of weird wild animals also on our farm in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> you have a puzzled look on your face once again, Jim Henry. This is great. It has nothing to do with pro tips, but it's no. way more fascinating. <laughs> what kind of animals? Uh, wild llamas called guanacos. And then two kinds of ostriches, uh, <laughs> emus and rias, South American and African. And then mouflons, which are the sheep with the curly horns from Corsica. <laughs> Wait, there's more. Okay. Wallabies, tiny kangaroos. Oh, wow. And then we had a dozen goats, of course, and chickens. And, you know. and <laughs> Why did you have all those animals? Because he loved animals. He just they were he just loved for, breeding just animals. For he loved animals from the time he was a child wow. in Germany. So he did you did you have to care for them or did he No, take he care did. Of them? Yeah. He did. He did everything. And he got up every morning before he went to his lab early, he got up and milked the goats. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, well, it's no wonder you're in the crazy music business That's now. Right. Like, <laughs> that sounds that's like sounds like a a vivid and interesting childhood. It was. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. Got to travel a lot and So now you're in Massachusetts. You've yes. moved up here. Yes. You've fallen in love with singing with Ann Percival. Yes, and right? many other people as well. Yeah. So then, so at that point is when you started the O-Tones? Well, we actually did... started it at the end of the, the last few years in Atlanta after once we went to Ashokan. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was already formed. Yeah, a little bit there and then moved it up here. And were you always the sort of the leader? No. No? It was very evenly split between me and Anne and my ex-husband, Rick, for the first few years. And uh, that was challenging. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it was great because we all sang harmony and, um, you know, played guitars and bass together and then would hire sax player, drummer. So you guys were were the core and then you would fill in around that as you needed. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And we had pretty regular players, whereas now... Uh, my boyfriend jokes that I probably have 50 people in my stable, and he's probably right. <laughs> I have um, gotten to the point where I just have a lot of musicians that I've worked with that I really like a lot, and and everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, so it's really fun to figure out who's right for the right gig or who's available or who can travel or whatever it is. All right, all right. Uh, so you're getting yeah. ahead of some of my questions now. Yep. Okay, cool. No problem. So I'm trying to get to the, how did you become the band leader? Uh, uh, probably part of it was getting divorced. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and You um, get the house and you get the band. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so that was probably the, the biggest impetus. And I think over time I just started doing more and more of the work and, and it just kind of naturally led to me making decisions and asking other people for their opinions if I needed to, but eventually I just kind of thought, you know, it's a lot easier for one person to do this than three. Yeah, and it's definitely, it's certainly been my experience that bands, it's hard to have be a democracy in a band. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to get things done and yeah. stuff, so. We would arrange songs together, you know, that was a different thing, that was the creative process, but as far as like logistics and getting gigs and making things happen, it's a lot easier with one person. Yeah, let's talk about all the different hats you are required 
yes. to wear. Yes. As, now I Many. think a lot of a lot of uh, musicians have to wear a lots of different hats, but there's sort of uh, there, there's different different aspects that have to happen if you are making like decisions for other people. Correct. Right. Yes. What are the different aspects of leading a band? Well, I will try to remember them all. I wrote um, some. I wrote some down here, yeah. but let's let's see. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to think about it from the initial um, interest of a potential client contacting us for mm-hmm. a gig. It might be a repeat client. It might be someone who found us on the internet. It might be a site that I bid on gigs on the internet. It might be a friend of a friend. So there's a lot of different ways that the gigs come to us, both public and private. And obviously, after so many years of doing it, there's more and more ways that people find out about us and hire us for things. So, so the booking, the booking hat. Yeah, the booking hat. Yeah. yeah. And so I get in touch with the client and you know talk to them about prices and logistics and whether they're supplying sound and you know all that kind of stuff. Right. And I find out what they want, how big a band they want, and what style of music. I mean, we only have you know a certain number of styles, but within that, we can play quieter or louder or more jazzy or more, you know. Well, and you can have, you know, you can adjust the number of players based on their budget. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So once I find out the details from the client, then I will get in touch with certain band members and ask them if they're available for the gig. Does that, I'm I'm sure it doesn't, but I mean, is that ever a bone of contention that you call some players and not others for certain gigs or um not really because um i have certain ones that i that are kind of more regular that i you know ask first so i kind of have an you know an order in my head of um who's right. best for what gigs and, and they're all it, yeah. they're all cool with that yeah yeah, yeah. everybody kind of knows what what that is and how that works out um yeah so that's not bad and you do <clears throat> the o tones do Lots. Actually, let me ask you this: What's what's the O and O tones stand for? <laughs> oh. uh, I have my own up, theories. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> um, we came up with the uh, the idea of the something tones sounding vintage right. because you know we do swing from the '40s and soul and blues and Motown from the '50s and '60s, um, but we couldn't really come up with a word the something tones, and so we just decided on the letter O and thought it sounded cool, and then years and years later, I found out, ironically, that the O tone is the original soundtrack for a movie in German. Oh, uh. yeah, and I had no idea, so I thought that was cool. So yeah, sometimes that cool. that's all I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got the deep dark secret. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. What did I ask? I forget now. What um, does the O stand for? No, before that, I was oh. going somewhere else. Uh, oh, um, you play at lots of different types of events and, and true right so you play yes. at you do concerts sometimes yeah you do play at weddings mm-hmm. you play at swing uh, dances swing dances fundraisers you know private parties weddings parties all kinds yeah. of stuff yeah so outdoor concerts as the booking agent and band leader that's um i don't know that's just it's just a lot of balls that you have to juggle it's and, true and, and, you know, it's very true and i i will stuff. say that i'm very grateful for email because you know, it used to be that I had to pick up the phone and contact each right. musician and talk to each client. And now a lot a lot of things happen a lot <clears throat> faster and more efficiently um, with email. However, also people can ghost you. So it can be 
challenging. Right. But for the most part, it's made life a lot easier, and you can send somebody your website link, and they can go see and hear and, you right. know. You used to have to send somebody a tape or something, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. Or they had to come see you live. Right. So now it's, <laughs> yeah, things happen a lot more quickly. Yeah. Or hopefully yeah, they do. Yeah, exactly. And, you, and the other thing that you have to do is manage the website. Right. Right? That's exactly. The, um, which is, it's a pretty extensive website that you have, which is, what's, yeah. the, what's the address? It's www.theotones.com, T-H-E-O-T-O-N-E-S.com. <laughs> and we will mention that a couple of times. Cool. Um, and how many, how many shows do you do a year? Gosh, I would say more like I can think about it for a week, like maybe one to two a week or, uh-huh. or you know, two to six a month. I don't know. It, it really varies. And it's, I really can't predict, you know, it used to be less gigs in the winter, but, you know, this year we were super busy this winter. So anyway, it's very unpredictable. Pretty much just wait to get emails and phone calls and... I'm always trolling for ideas, you know. Right. So I just look around, see what other musicians are doing and what other people are doing and try to, you know, try to figure out a good fit for us. Um, We've actually been doing a bunch of senior shows in the last year Mm. or two, Mm -hmm. which are really fun. Um, There's a lot of retirement communities around and... I bet they love, I bet they love you guys. They do. And, you know, we play a variety of music, which is nice because they don't want just an Elvis impersonator or just a Frank Sinatra impersonator, you know. I mean, that's fun, but it's limiting. And whereas we come in and we do a little bit of Ella Fitzgerald and some Marvin Gaye and, you know, mix it up. Right. Is there a lot of dancing that goes on at those places? Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny as I get closer and closer to senior age, you know, it's like a lot of these seniors are very vibrant. They're, you know, they're not rickety. (laughs) And even when they come in with walkers, they've got good senses of humor. And, you know, we just really have a good time. We've been and we've also been doing some um, lecture series. I do it with one other person on a specific topic. And so I hired the expert. So we did history of jazz, and I hired a jazz guitar player who is a professor at HCC. So he talked about jazz, and he sent me charts for each era of jazz so I could play with him, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, we did history of rock and roll, 1950s, history of rock and roll, 1960s, history of blues, swing dancing. We did spirituals. We're going to do gospel. So it's been really fun to, you know, find the right person for the right topic. That's great. Yeah. And is that uh, under the O-Tones umbrella that you do that? Yes. Yeah. So everything is. Everything that you do is sort of under that umbrella. Yeah. We used to have a smaller subset band, but I just decided that it's much easier if there's just one band name and it can be any size and any personnel that I work with. It's just much easier. And so you do... Um, you know, the band, the sort of the core band, the dance band, mm-hmm. but you also have the, a big, the big band that yes. happens sometimes. Yeah. We don't do a lot of big band gigs. I can imagine the logistics of that must be unbelievable. Yeah. And plus the big band musicians are all professional. And so to hire us is not like hiring a bunch of retired guys who are going right. to play in the gazebo in a little town, you know, that right. a lot of them play for free, which is sweet, but I can't get these people to show up for free. Right. So yeah, 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 and they shouldn't. No, ex- exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I always have a goal of paying everyone fairly. And you know, honestly, I'm on every gig, so not only do I want to treat people nicely in the band, but I also want to, you know, have a nice gig for myself. Yeah, right. Because that's my reward. That's the fun part. 
you don't have to answer this, but do you take a commission? Yes, for doing I do. That? On most of the gigs. Every yeah. once in a while, there's just not enough money, so I don't. Right. But um, definitely on most of them, I try to because sure. of all the work I do. Hi, folks. Sorry to interrupt the show, but we'll get back to Mary in just a second. If you enjoyed the Pro Tips podcast, I need you to do me a favor. If you haven't contributed yet, please go to patreon.com slash jimhenry and donate a couple of bucks. If you're already a patron, please consider getting a friend or two to check out the show. I definitely appreciate the help. Now let's get back to Mary. And one of the other hats you wear, at least you used to, when, when I have played with you, is you were the PA madam. Oh, no. That you don't do that anymore? I own it, but I don't run it. Right. I'm but I very, mean, but you, you yeah. are in charge no, of it. I bring it, yeah. Yeah. And I actually, we've downsized considerably. It's great. We have powered speakers now and a tiny little board. And yeah, so right. it's great. Yeah. So I show up with the PA. Everybody helps um, put it together Everybody and one person runs that, yeah. it. And that is never me because right. I have enough other things to but do. But you have to, you know, you have to make sure it shows up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you have to maintain it. Yep, and for sure. Do any repairs and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Does it ever, do you ever, do you like being in charge of the whole thing or do you for sometimes the most part, wish? No, yeah. I mean, for the most part I do. I enjoy working with people and, you know, most of our clients are really, really nice and interesting and fun people. So it's just a nice way to deal with people. Well, I just mean in terms of, you know, dealing with all the different aspects. I know when I was played in bands, one particular band I played with, I was the PA guy. Mm-hmm. Like we all had different jobs and yeah. I was the PA yeah. guy and I hated it. I just hated it, but that was for whatever reason. I was I I hated that less than I hated booking, right? Which I right, hate, right? Yeah. Um, but you have to do all all the you know mm-hmm. all the stuff that I hate, <laughs> right? 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 Does no, that ever? Do you ever kind of wish you could spread that around at this point, or you're just like, that's nah, just how it is now? Well, theoretically, or do you not hate it? maybe you don't hate it. Well, I don't hate it. I mean, there are moments when I get very frustrated. Um, but for the most part, I enjoy most of the work and I enjoy having it all be one person to keep life simpler. That's right. probably the bottom line. And I enjoy making the gigs fun for myself, you right. know, so that's kind of, and, and at this point, so many people know me as the face of the band. And right. so, you know, I have a lot of relationships with these people who hire us. It's not just people off the street. Right. So that's really nice. Um, well, and you have a relationship with all the players do definitely definitely it's certainly um nicer as, speaking as a sideman and a player to just know okay so mary's in charge mm-hmm. and this is you know this yeah. is what it is she's who you talk to and exactly you know. yeah it does make it easier yeah so um well let's before we go any further let's do the either or game okay. are you familiar with this no nope. you're not familiar with this this is where i ask you um I give you two words or phrases. Okay. And you have to choose one or the other. Like, that's it for the rest of your life. One or the other. Wow. I know. It's hard. This is, some people call this uh, the Sophie's Choice portion of the podcast. Gotcha. Some are easy, some are hard. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm up to the challenge. Okay. Barbecue or stir fry? Barbecue. Not even North Carolina. There you go. <laughs> Window or aisle? Definitely aisle. Long legs. Yeah. Um, and one or the other for the rest of your life, bass or singing? Singing. Singing. I figured that would be it. Duo or trio? Trio. I knew you would say that. So trio or a band, full band? 
rest that's of your life. That's a tough one. I know that's it is. That's a tough one. I know it is. Uh, probably full band. Full band? Yeah. Okay. Now, I know you do some um, gigs where you, or a lot of gigs where you actually you dress up, you look real nice and, you know. Thank you, Jim. So this question is uh, gown or jeans for the rest of your life, for every, every gig that you had to do? Probably gown. Yeah. Get it from my mom. Yeah. She was a fashion hound. Yeah. Yeah, I just like thrift shopping and putting it all together. <laughs> it's part of the fun. I kind of figured that you would do that. <laughs> you know um, me well. Dog or cat? Dog. Ella or Billy? Ella. Yeah. Now, I don't. I don't know. I don't think you're a big drinker, but bourbon or scotch? Neither. Neither one. <laughs> you got me. Ice cream or sherbet? Sherbet. Sorbet. Sorbet, okay. <laughs> Jazz or swing? Rest of your life, one or the other. Probably swing. Folk or big band? Hmm. I know you like both. I do. I guess big band. Big band. Uh, I thought you would go with folk for sure. I don't know. I love them both. <laughs> well, you got to choose one. I know, All I right. did. All right. <laughs> now lay off. All right, this is going to be a tough one okay. for you. And we haven't talked much about this, but we will. Painter or musician? Musician. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought that would be a harder decision. I mean, it's. I, I do love playing music and singing, and I do love painting. But yeah, music definitely comes first. Okay. And then I always ask this, is Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah, so one other thing I wanted to ask you about was your painting. Okay. So you paint. I do. <laughs> and you have shows and stuff like that? Yes. Uh, tell me about that. I mean, is it... Is well, it... I had German parents, so I was raised on a lot of abstract art. Uh-huh. And uh, again, you know, that goes back to that. Um and so I love abstract art, and I did a lot of art growing up. My dad, his mother was a painter. My mother's brother was a painter. And so I was just raised around a lot of people who were artists. And I did art, you know, as a child and through high school and college and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had never taken painting lessons or t- done any painting. So when I moved here, I met a painter friend, and he gave me a few lessons, and then I was just off to experiment. And so... I paint abstract acrylic paint, and I mostly paint with a palette knife because I find it very satisfying to just gob paint. A palette paint. knife? Yes. I, don't, I have like no idea what can, that means. Well, a palette knife in art is what you use to mix colors, but you know a sheetrock mud, you know a, yeah. a mudding knife? Yeah. Well, so a palette knife and a mudding knife are the same thing. They're just different sizes. Uh-huh. And so I actually just go to the hardware store and buy you know, <laughs> mudding tools and um, and that's how I apply my paint for the most part. And I kind of gob it on thick and I mix it as I go and I scratch through and I add more later and I get a lot of kind of depth and texture that that's part of what's satisfying to me. Do you feel like you have to use the same part of your brain for painting as you do for music? It's definitely similar. I realized recently that painting and singing... And cooking are all very improvisational for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and 
as soon as they become like really, you know, hard, like following rules, it's not fun for me anymore. Like I'm not a big recipe follower when I cook. Mm-hmm. I'll read a recipe, <laughs> but then I just wing it because then, then it's relaxing. If I'm having to follow a very specific recipe, it feels like work. Uh-huh. So painting, if I have to like really make something look real and to get very accurate with it, it's it's very limiting for me. Whereas if I can just put paint on and play, it's really very experimental and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Then it then it's relaxing. And I put music on, and I'm actually teaching an abstract acrylics painting class now at Northampton Center for the Arts, and oh, it's no a blast. Kidding. People come in of all levels, and they just want to have fun and play. And it's really fun to watch them evolve. It, does one get in the way of the other sometimes, the painting and the music, or is it you've got a pretty Not good balance? Not too much. I mean, every once in a while there's a little overlap of scheduling of things. Right. Um, but there's no, there's no real deadline on painting, though, is there? Unless you have a show. Unless you have a show. Yeah. So I'm a member of Oxbow Gallery in Northampton, and we get a show every year and a half. So we have a lot of notice. And so right. I, I get my paintings done way ahead on like some people I know procrastinate to the last second. Right. I'm just not that person. I always like getting things done early. Right. So I have sort of a regular Sunday afternoon time to paint in my studio in my backyard. But if I can't do it then, I try and do it another time. But it helps to have kind of a routine. And then, um, yeah, and then I know when my shows are coming up, and of course I have to do all the publicity, which is like doing publicity for music gigs. Right. <laughs> right. And do you, we were talking about this before, um, in terms of publicity, do you? Uh, we were talking about Facebook in particular. Mm-hmm. You use Facebook, obviously. What else? What else do you do for publicity? Um, I actually have a chart that I put together, and it's got all the online um, sites that I can go and post text and pictures, like Mass Live, and you know the Greenfield Recorder, Daily Hampshire Gazette. You know, the River Radio Station, WFCR. You know, just all the different places that you can. Um, post events, post yeah, events. yeah, and then right. I do Facebook and Instagram, and I do them just for work. I don't do anything personal on any of those sites because it's just my personal life is my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. I also just know a lot of people since I've lived here for so long, and right. so I make cards and hand them out on the street. Like we're doing a monthly swing dance now at Hawks and Reed, alternating with another band. And it's the last Sunday afternoon of every month. And, you know, I make cards and hand them out to people on the street when I see someone I know. So, yeah, so you are always kind of... On. On, exactly, (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. You're always sort of thinking, how do I promote the thing I'm working on? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty constant, Um, sometimes more than others. And I do try to, you know, if I don't have a gig at night, I do kind of try to unplug and just relax and hang out with my partner and... You know, watch a movie or well, whatever. Well, it's interesting to me that you are you're, you're clearly a very organized person. It's true. I right? get that from my dad, the scientist. Yeah, so not my mom, the artist. You know, and you you you're always prepared, and you do things well in advance, and all this stuff. But in terms, of what, as you were saying, in terms of your cooking and your painting and your music, you don't want any. To be, you don't want to be hemmed in, or exactly. You know, it's sort of yeah. It's an interesting yeah. Dichotomy. So it's it's kind of left brain, right brain, and it. I think it probably comes from my mom and my dad. They were very different in styles. What's your sign? Sign? Yeah, your cancer. Cancer is yeah, that? July. Is that is the organized part? I part don't of that? actually know anything about that. The only thing I know about cancer is that we are homebodies. 
and mm. nesters, and that's very true. I mm. love being at home, and you know, every day, whatever I'm doing, I can't wait till I get home to be cozy, and mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, so definitely a nester, um, and also sincerity. Yeah, like you can't tease me too much. You can tease <laughs> me a little bit, but and if I if you if I know you like me, it's okay. But yeah, I'm not good with a lot of teasing. I'm a younger sister. <laughs> <laughs> you had your share of it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, another, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, and I, I want to phrase this carefully. My girlfriend said, you know, be careful how you talk about this. Being a band leader and, you know, so you're leading an organization, the right. O-Tones, essentially. Right. As a woman, mm-hmm. um, does that present any special problems other than, you know, being a woman in, in life presents special right, problems, right, right. as we all know. Is that, yeah. do you feel like that that is a problem for you at times? I I, you know, I was thinking about it, and I don't actually think it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I was raised to be a very strong um, individual who was, you know, comfortable with expressing my opinions. Um, but I really can't think, I mean, when I was in construction in Atlanta, yeah, it was a problem. But being in the music world, I think I get a lot of respect both from my bandmates and from clients and venues and such. And I'm sure there are some instances where it's been an issue, but it's not It's not a major thing yeah, in my mind. Yeah, it doesn't come up all yeah. the time. No, um, luckily. Does it come up in in life for you, just out of curiosity? Um, <laughs> occasionally, although I can't really think of an example yeah, right now. Yeah. I mean, I can remember in the 80s when I screamed at a guy and it was working at the lumber yard because he told me that even though I was using all the right terms to order the materials, that's not what he said, but I know I was. <laughs> he said, I had no more right to be in there than he would in a fabric shop. Right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Let's, okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, you know, I think like anything, if you are good at something and confident and you exude, you know, confidence, um, then, you know, people respect you. And I'm, and I believe in being kind, you know, I don't, I don't, if there's a difference between confidence and, you know, being full of yourself. Right. But I just think that being kind and being confident takes you a long way. Well, you know what? You've got my vote. I will vote for you for president oh, based Jim. on that right there. Thank you. But let's not get into not that. Not running pre- president. Although I'm the only person in my, con- in my family born in this country. So, so you my could father, my father always said, "You're our only hope." And actually, when when Obama was running, I thought about it and I said, "What would my platform be if I ran for president?" And I decided my platform would be that everyone in the country needs to be bilingual and bicultural, raised that way, because you know there's too many people who have just one agenda, and it's not it's not safe or fair. I like it. Yeah. So like I'm not running, but that would be it if I did run. <laughs> um, let's talk about your latest recording. Okay. Which sort of fits into the to the uh, woman thing. That's right. <laughs> right? That's tell, right. Tell me about tell me about this. Um, so one of the singers that I work with is Annie Patterson, who wrote the songbooks "Rise Up Singing" and "Rise Again." Yeah. And she subs with the O Tones, and she and I have also done some duo gigs. Um, Everything from restaurants to fundraisers, and you guys so, are good pals. Yeah, we're really good friends, and she plays guitar and banjo. I play bass, and we really like singing together. And I think we're very complimentary singing. Um, we love, you know, trading verses or lines or scatting or whatever. So it's a lot of fun, and I think we also have a lot of 
similar outlook on life and, you know, being fair to people and trying to help raise money for good causes and, and enjoying doing music. So we decided in the fall that we would uh, make a tour in the southeast where I used to live. And so in March, we're going to go to the Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill area. We're going to go to Asheville, Brevard, Silo, then go down to Atlanta, and then over to Birmingham. Nice. So it's going to be a two-week tour. We're now booked for, I think, almost every day. Of wow. The, yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, I'm going to fly down and meet her in Raleigh, and she's going to be driving, doing some gigs on the way. And then within probably a month of coming up with that idea that we would do the tour, we both independently thought, we should make a CD, CD. <laughs> to take on the tour. <laughs> so we were talking about different things, different ideas, and I said, well, what about the theme of just doing uh, music by women singers? Because we were both so influenced by so many women um, when we were growing up listening to music, and I know that's been a big influence on both of our musical lives. Um, so anyway, that's what we did, and we just got the CD this week, and it's called Fearless, Celebrating Women Singers, and uh, we recorded it uh, a month ago in East Hampton at Sone Lab, and our friend Anna Nyack played some guitar on it and did a little singing with us. So I'm curious about the title. Yes. Where does that come from, the fearless, the um, fearless part of it? We were bouncing around ideas about what it is like to be a woman and be respected and, you know, just with all the stuff that's been going on with Me Too and all that. I think it's just really trying to give a message of strength and courage and um, confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I've heard some of it. It's, it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Are you gonna are you gonna send it out the radio and do that kind of thing? Or yeah, yeah, we'll free? do we'll do everything we can think of to do that. Um, right now, we're getting ready for the tour, and the CDs just arrived this week. But they're already for sale on our website, theotones.com. So there's a <laughs> CDs page there. Um, you can order physical CDs that way, and also it's on CD Baby, the digital mm. version, soon to also have CDs, and it's also on Bandcamp. Well, I think. I think we have done a good job covering lots of different topics here. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So thank you very much for making the trip over here to Ruby Tone Studio. Well, thank you, Jim Henry. Always a pleasure to see you know, and play music time. with you and hang out and all that good stuff. Cool. Well, why don't we play a song okay. for, that we will use for the outro music? Sounds good. Which, uh, which song shall we play? This song is from the last CD, Groove Duets. And yeah, this is, is your this is your solo CD. Well, yeah, solo with, with twelve du- other singers. Right. So I did duets with twelve singers in the valley, including Jim Henry. But the one today, which one are we going to do? Uh, Without love, it's a Ray Charles tune. It's a All ballad. Right. All right, let's do it. Cool. I awaken this morning. I was filled. All my dreams have turned to ashes and gold. And as I look back on my life, it was barren and so bad. That love 
thanks for listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. To find out more about Mary Witt and the O-Tones, go to theotones.com. To order your copy of the Pro Tips book, 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business, go to protipsformusicians.com. It contains many of the tips we've discussed here on the podcast, personal insights about each one, and features original illustrations by Ruby Henry. To make a one-time only donation to the podcast, go to protipsformusicians.com. And to become a sustaining podcast patron, go to patreon.com slash Jim Henry. Thanks for listening. Let a heart